Hey everybody, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and www.portalvillepodcast.com. Oh, welcome to Tales from the Rift. My name is Jen. Uh, I play the news reporter August Potts on the scripted Portalville podcast. Uh, and I'm John. I write and produce. Uh, I created the Portalville podcast for Cosmic Horror Monthly Magazine. Um, so right now, we are lost in the woods of Burkittsville. As John decided to kick our map into the goddamn river. It wasn't doing us any good, and I am tired of filming rocks. Well, we have a special guest coming through the rift who can help us to safety, hopefully. Um, he is a famed writer, director, and producer involved in many projects for film and TV, including Lovely Molly, VHS2, Lucifer, American Horror Story, Supernatural, 50 States of Fright, the list goes on, and the Blair Witch franchise, Mr. Eduardo Sanchez. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming out and, you know, letting us do this interview. It's like the day before Thanksgiving. We yeah. do really appreciate it. We know how oh, it was good. It, it, so. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's start off by getting to know you a bit. Uh, what inspired you to get into filmmaking, particularly horror? Um, I mean, what got me into filmmaking was... Um, you know, Star Wars, you know, I was like 10 years old when Star Wars came out or nine or 10. So it was like this, you know, huge event. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just kind of made me kind of really curious about how they made movies, especially like, you know, space movies with special effects and all that stuff. And also my dad, like my dad, you know, really loves uh, going to the movies um and he'll watch any kind of movie so i you know my dad would take me when i was young so i think he kind of um helped me kind of appreciate the cinema and stuff like that um and then horror i mean really i was i mean i love all genres i mean horror was not really my favorite genre i'm kind of i i don't really like scary movies like i don't like to be scared i, I mean i like the films themselves i think there's like really great filmmaking being done or you know had been done and you know in in uh, in horror like there's just really classic movies but i just don't like being scared and uh so i kind of shied away from horror films except you know the ones that my friends would take me to uh you know or like i saw the exorcist when i was really little and it you know really scared me and uh you know uh amityville horror all those classic movies but then in film school, uh, you know, Dan Myrick, my uh, partner and I, um, you know, we were just kind of came up with this idea for Blair Witch and it happened to be a horror movie. And so that kind of it was like the, e the not the easiest, but it was like the, the the most low budget idea we had, you know, we were like, oh, let's just do this. But both Dan and I like never considered ourselves, you know, horror filmmakers. Um, and then, you know, so then Blair Witch comes out and, you know, now I'm like a horror filmmaker all of a sudden. And um and I've learned, you know, it took me a while to kind of learn to appreciate it really. Um, and, you know, and learn, and, you know, I'm always, you know, always learning as a filmmaker. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really love the genre now because it's a great genre to be, you know, if you're going to be stuck in a genre, it's great to be stuck in a horror because there's so many different flavors to horror, you know, it has all these little subgenres. So you can be really serious. You can be goofy. You can be action. You know, it can be monster movies, you know, so there's so many different ways, different kinds of films in the horror genre. 
So it does let you kind of flex your muscles and be kind of a little, uh, you know, to do, do different things, which I love about the genre. Um, and so here I am, you know. Yeah, and it's much cheaper than Star Wars. Do you like the newer ones that came out? It's a little, yeah, it's a little cheaper than Star Wars for sure. Um, I like them, yeah. I mean, I didn't, you know, I had mixed feelings about them, but I love, um, you know, I love anything Star Wars, as you can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I had, um, so I, I really did love the movies because I think that there's such works of art, you know what I mean? I guess the best cinematographers and the best, you know, art directors and the special effects, and there's always breaking new ground and things. And, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, so I, you know, I love certain parts of them and I did dislike, you know, a lot of, a lot of it, but, you know, for me, they're still Star Wars movies and, uh, you know, I enjoyed them. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of you getting into horror, like, I really want to revisit Blair Witch, you can tell. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm not trying to suck up. I am sucking up, but it's one of my favorite scary movies of all time. Cool. That's like The Ring, like, it really affected me, you know? Like, I don't want to go camping. She makes me go camping. And that was, like, one of my fears, like, going in the ocean from Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> going in and hiking and camping, Blair Witch affected me. But let's hear about like your, how you guys made this film, like your process. It sounds like it was kind of like a, a mad science experiment almost the way you did it. Yeah, it was a total experimental film. I mean, it was, uh, you know, we had no money and, uh, you know, and the whole idea of the movie was that, you know, it's supposed to be raw footage, uh -huh. um, you know, of this, you know, film project that, you know, went awry. And so realism was kind of like the main, you know, like the prime, the prime objective was like, everything has to be look has to look real like there can't be any thing in the movie that makes it look like it's lit or it's you know any kind of hollywood you know tricks and that's why we decided to not do a soundtrack you know there's no music and um you know everything is kind of everything's pretty much handheld and you know it's just it's just this making a video into hell you know um so you know so you know with the, whether whether it's the acting or the cinematography or the production design everything was based on this thing of like not you know giving it away and not you know making it like you know we wanted the people to sit down and this was early on we were like you know we were hoping for like a video release you know like that was the the goal you know this is like early and this is like mid 90s so it was just like you know maybe a dvd release would be cool um so you know we just so everything was kind of based on this idea of like making it real so we cast these actors that felt real and we didn't write any dialogue you know we just kind of came up with this script that was kind of like an outline a very detailed outline um so everything was based on that prime you know objective so it was like um you know really experimental and uh we just basically sent the actors off into the woods and we built like this 24 hour playground around them. And yeah. my uh, producer, uh, Greg Hale, our producer, Greg Hale had had, he had gone through some military training, special forces training, and they had done these scenarios where they sent the soldiers out into the woods with, yeah. I think just only just a compass and they had to survive. And then they got picked up by like these, you know, Russian guys, you know, speaking Russian, like, you know, simulating like a, like being caught by, by Russians and taken to a, a, a camp. I mean, really hardcore. And he was like, that would be cool to, you know, not torture the actors, but do a yeah. little scenario where they're actually out there. They sleep out there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Dan and I were like, I mean, we, we always thought of like, 
that we were going to leave the actors for hours at a time because we did want it to be this very natural looking. We didn't want to be like, all right, action and cut. You know, it wasn't that kind of movie. But we never thought of like leaving the actors out there at night. You know what I mean? So Greg kind of came up with all the logistical kind of, you know, uh, planning um, for that aspect of it. And Dan and I were like, okay, how do you direct actors you know, without actually talking to them. So we came up with a system of giving them notes, you know, several times a day. Uh, but everybody, I mean, you know, everybody in the crew is just basically, you know, trying to just continuing this, again, this 24 hour kind of staged play that we were kind of building around the actors, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and it worked, you know, I mean, but but we were totally like, when we were making it, we there were so many moments of doubt as, you know, as you do with any really real film. But for this, it was like, particularly interesting because we were like what the hell are we doing you know we were like you know it's like you're sitting out there at like two in the morning you know waiting to drop off some some supplies or you know um you know being you know walking out in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night after you know pretending to be the Blair Witch and you know we kind of look at each other like what the you know either this is going to be like something really cool or it's going to be like a comedy because it's going to be like ah you know the filmmakers running around the woods you know look at that they thought it would be scary you know um, but luckily it worked out and, you know, everybody kind of just worked together and, um, you know, we made this film and it, you know, and, uh, edited the hell out of it for, you know, probably 10 months and, you know, came up with what we showed in the theaters. It was just so unique, like to have the perspective of the actor holding the camera and doing the camera with themselves yeah. and shaking it around, you know, and it was something that we had never seen before and it was so immersive and real that's what made it so terrifying you know you there you didn't have all the music and special effects yeah. and special lighting and you're like oh wow this is real and that's what's so terrifying we have woods over here you know and so it's like and and then the and then there's a whole it spawned like a whole new horror genre in itself of like yeah, this found genre. footage yeah yeah i have a question so i guess i got maybe it's a two or three parter so how hard was it to find actors that could act realistic? And did they also know what they were getting into, you know, coming into the movie? Did they know, like, how you guys were going to do it? I mean, they they had an idea. Um, I mean, first of all, we, we, we auditioned, like, almost like a thousand people in L.A. and Orlando and D.C. Um, and really New York is kind of like, you know, it's just the fertile ground for like this kind of acting, you know what I mean? And we decided early on that we're like, you know, we're going to go with a combination. We definitely wanted like two guys and a girl, but, um, you know, we would have probably been open if we had found like two really great, you know, it, it was just kind of a matter of like finding the best actors that kind of played against each other, you know, um, the best. And we lucked out and we, you know, we found Mike and Heather and Josh and it was difficult because you had to, even the auditioning process was kind of unique. We would basically, um, you know, we, we kind of had a, a sheet of paper that we would, hand, you know, we would pass around to people waiting in the, you know, as they filled out their information, waiting to, for the audition, um, you know, basically saying, look, this is a movie that's going to be, you're going to be out in the woods for probably 10 days. And if you don't like camping, do not audition. Um, you know, you're not probably not going to be able to shower. And, you know, we kind of, you know, warning these people that this is not going to be like trailer, you know, yeah. going to your trailer after that, you know, a hard day on the set, you know, uh, or, you know, in between takes. 
Um, so for us, so, so, you know, a lot of people, you know, everybody, mostly people stayed. I, I'm, I'm sure some people left, um, but they were, and, and also the, we told them that once they got into the room, just get ready to the audition starts as soon as they open the door. So instead of like having the, Hey, how you doing? You know, shaking hands and stuff. We had them sit down and we immediately went into like this fake scenario of like that they were like a prisoner um, ask, you know, at a parole board hearing, you know, and so they would come in and we'd be like, you know, whatever it was, you know, Josh Leonard, um, you know, you, you, uh, you come here, you know, after serving five years of a 12 year sentence and, you know, coming in front of this parole, but kind of setting it up the parole board. And you know, we wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us, you know, how you felt about your, you know, incarceration and all that rehabilitation. And we just let them go, you know, and, Obviously, the really good ones would like immediately get into it and immediately kind of, you know, we'd ask them questions, follow up questions. Some people were like, you know, kind of looking around like, is this the right, you know, what the hell am, what am I doing, you know? Um, but, uh, and, you know, and then we would switch up, we'd be like immediately going to like, oh, you know, uh, congratulations, Mr. Leonard, you've, you've just, you know, scored a perfect 10 on that vault or whatever. How do you, or that dive, how do you feel? And they'd be like, oh, I felt great. You know, and you have to yeah. make it up. So, um, you know, we kind of weeded people out, you know, based on, you know, just ability and kind of just style, like, um, and we kind of started grouping them together uh, and doing callbacks. And basically we would just set, you know, we would just do combinations of three actors and we'd put them through scenarios. And I think that was for Mike, Josh and Heather going through that process gave them, um, a, you know, clues as to what we were planning, yeah. you know, because we were playing around with some of the scenes. Like I remember one of the scenes was, you know, we would, um, it, we did the scene where the, when Josh is calling out to them in the woods from the woods, you know, and. So we would have like the the you know the one of the males and one of the and the and the female actor you know actors, and then other actor yelling you know I don't know if, if we played the other per, but basically just get their get their reactions to how you know their interactions while their friend is calling out for help you know what I mean, um, so that was a scene that they kind of figured okay the, I think we're gonna there's something's like this is gonna happen yeah. in the movie but we never showed them the script uh, you know once they came to the to Maryland. Um, we basically put them up in a hotel and we gave them like a little mini film school, like how to load the cameras and, you know, how to, you know, tell when the batteries are charged and, you know, just the kind of the logistical kind of information. And also a little bit, you know, about, you know, cause we had a 16 millimeter camera, like, like Heather was supposedly shooting her documentary on, you know, on a CP 16, which is like 16 millimeter film. So, you know, Josh had to know how to load the film. Um, you know, the camera and, you know, and focus it and all that and expose properly expose it. So we, so Neil Fredericks, our DP kind of took everybody through a mini film school. We taught Mike how to, you know, run the audio equipment and Heather, we just gave her, you know, we wrote up a bunch of like the mythology of Blair Witch as best we knew, you know, like just kind of, just kind of an information dump of like what's going on and there's been going on in these woods. And, um, and then she and she was the we that she was the only one we gave this information to you know the other two didn't know anything about the Blair Witch so um, you know we just kind of set them up and then we we also kind of let them you know we we were like we'd love to use your real names and we'd love to use as much of your own kind of experience 
you know, in the character as you want, you know what I mean? Bring about, you know, whatever, you, you know, just, just to, so, it's, so there's not this level of like trying to remember the the person's character. Yeah. You're literally just, you know, yeah, it's just, there's just, there's just, yeah, there's more, um, you know, it's just, it's a little more personal, you know what I mean? And uh, they were cool with it. And, and really, man, I mean, you know, the, um, you know, the three actors, like, I, you know, I know people like, you know, uh, they could really never get enough accolades as far as like I'm concerned. Like they really made that movie. And, um, you know, we, you know, we, we lucked out, you know, we lucked out when we got those actors and they were willing to do everything that we asked them to do. And, um, you know, and then, and then, so that's kind of like a long winded explanation, you know, um, kind of, uh, you know, just, just kind of a rundown of how we did it. But, you know, again, it was like a lot of, you know, it was a lot of favors being, you know, called in and most of the people, you know, we were all friends and it was a very small crew and we all did everything. And, you know, so that was kind of, we kind of create, you know, crazy glued this production together. That's pretty amazing that you were able to find such great actors that, that, that people too. don't recognize and know. So then when you put them on like the wanted posters, people yeah. are like, oh, this is real. Yeah, and it, posters, yeah. yeah, and it was like, yeah. and it caused people to actually think they were missing people. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I want to say like, like what she said, like did such a good job of casting. And you've seen, I've seen like lots of found footage movies, you know, after this, and like not everyone can do such a realistic job so you guys did really yeah. well wow like they were excellent did you get yeah yeah no i mean yeah yeah it was it was like key you know like for us that was you know like 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 blair witch was like everything that was that was negative about an indie film was a positive for us like yeah. an indie film like you can't you know you can't afford to have like known actors because you know you can't afford you know to pay yeah. them for our film it's like we couldn't have, have had known actors they had, they had to be completely unknown yeah. i mean it's like other movies spend yeah you know millions of dollars on on you know lighting the woods it's like well we couldn't light the woods like that we you know we were trying to be realistic so yeah it, it, the casting was definitely something i mean obviously it wouldn't have worked you know with somebody that that audiences knew of you know and, and also the internet was like just um small enough but but yet lar but large enough to like spread disinformation but it didn't have a facebook you, know, you couldn't check up on heather donahue or mike williams or josh Leonard. yeah you could you couldn't look up their facebook page and you know so um you know but but there you know so so it was you know it was a fun time and you know it was a good the the the, the internet was like a you know kind of a the wild wild west at that time and we kind of we took advantage of it for sure did you get in trouble at all for your missing person uh, marketing stunt? No, you know what? I mean, that, that was, we didn't get in trouble for anything. I mean, the, the most we got in trouble was like, I mean, and that was kind of one of the things like when we, when, you know, um, when we were about to, to, uh, to enter Sundance, you know, we had this big kind of discussion as far as like, you know, what do we tell people? Is this, do we, do we enter as a documentary or do we enter as a, you know, as a, as a narrative, you know, the feature film as a fiction piece of fiction. And, um, you know, we, we never thought we were going to enter as a documentary. And that was like a big thing for us. Like how, how much lying, I mean, the movie lies a lie, but every movie is a lie. You know I mean? Obviously it's, you have to suspend your, just, you know, there's no, there's no such place as, you know, st the Star Wars world. You know what I mean? Those are all actors and we all know that. 
but lying on this level of saying, no, this is, this could be real footage. You know, this, this is the whole movie was kind of based on that. So we always like went back and forth as far as like, how, how much do we lie? You know what I mean? Yeah, and we, kind of we, you want to push, you know? Yeah. And we all really, you know, we didn't want the audience to come back and like really hate us and be like, Oh my God, they lied to us or whatever. So we went in kind of saying, yeah, it's real, but it's no, of course it's not real. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we never, but then Artisan, like the company that, that bought the movie, they were like, no, no, we're going to play it as real. And we were like, can you do that? You know, kind of the, the same question you had is like, can you do that? Like, is that, is that allowed? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah it's, it's completely allowed. I mean, you know, who's going to, you know, who's going to, you know, enforce that? You know what I mean? So for us, it was just, um, you know, it was just a, a lot of, like, again, like, kind of like, I hope we don't get in trouble, but no, we never got in trouble for really anything. I mean, the only, you know, we did get a lot of people like calling and asking about, um, you know, the, you know, the, you know, I, I can't find any information on these missing filmmakers and, you know, what can you give me? And it's like, well, no, dude, it's not real. That's why you can't find any more information on it. So um, we did get a lot of that stuff and I, you know, but it wasn't, um, you know, legally we I, I don't know how but we didn't get into any trouble <laughs> very nice yeah i um yeah i i love that part i was just like oh man because you have to find someone who's so good but like you don't know who they are and they think the time period the 90s was like that's when you could get away with it because like you said facebook and stuff yeah. you just can't you just can't make anything that good anymore and no. make it believable you know so yeah but i mean i mean new york city though new york in general is still you know uh, it's i mean you can find some you know some amazing talent there that hasn't done anything that was kind of our thing is like we were looking for non-union talent because we couldn't have done this as a union shoot obviously um <laughs> that would have there would have been a lot of meal penalties incurred um so you know um you know but but new york is still i mean like i my other film lovely molly i kind of went on the same approach where i want to find somebody completely unknown and we you know i found gretchen lodge who's like amazing so there's you know and so there's kind of something it's really exciting about being that kind of thing where like you can go down and like just discover somebody because there's so much talent out there you know so you never know what you know somebody's going to come out of nowhere and just blow your your brains out you know I think the other thing that's cool about this is that, like she said, you know, it revolutionized like, you know, subgenre, but it like opened the door for filmmakers that don't have like huge budgets to everyone's like, wow, we can actually make something cool with no money, you know? So I think people got lots of ideas off that. More like, inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Did you think this film would have such an enormous, like enormous success? You mentioned a financial struggle, had around $60,000 for budget. And then the film went on to make almost $250 million uh, and inspire a whole new genre and then sequels and a video game now. So did you, did you ever think that it would lead to all of that? I, you know, no, no, absolutely not. I mean, you know, we definitely um, had, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you always dream and, you know, like you were talking about move, you know, us inspiring you know filmmakers like you know we were inspired i was inspired by you know for obviously you know lucas and spielberg you know at a much obviously 
kind of not independent way, but kind of in a student, you know, they had money, they were successful filmmakers. But, you know, when I was in started, you know, trying to become a filmmaker, you know, Spike Lee and Steven Soderbergh and Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez, like all these guys, you know, um, you know, kind of showed that you, you didn't need that, you know, and, you know, huge resources, you didn't need the Hollywood resources, you know, so it's great for for me to hear that you know that that when that's kind of the the biggest the biggest thing that I'm proud of is the most proud thing that I am of Blair Witch is when people come to me and say oh you you guys taught me that you know you could you know anybody can do it if you guys could do it anybody could do it I'm like yeah exactly you know um but no I didn't I mean I knew we had you know there was certain levels of like you know, when we would pitch this movie to people, people, there's a, there was kind of a, a different interest um, to, to the, you know, to, to people like that. They, people really loved the idea. It was like something that really clicked with people. Um, but, you know, it, it was, you know, we, we, and we kind of started slowly seeing these signs of like what it was, you know, eventually going to turn out to be, but no, I don't think anybody, we never planned that it was going to be this huge thing. Like, again, we were, our big thing was that, you know, we would get, uh, you know, some kind of distribution deal and some, you know, get a little bit of money so that we could pay people back and maybe, you know, pay ourselves a little bit. Um, but other than that, there was, you know, very, you know, low expectations because we had all, you know, we were, I was in my late twenties and, you know, the other guys were all, we're all kind of the same age, but some guys older than me that, you know, we had all been through disappointments before, you know, we had all gotten our, you know, hearts broken by films that we thought were going to be, you know, the next big thing. So, you know, um, but, you know, we, there was, it was definitely, a, we, you know, we had a unique film, you know, we knew we had really something unique and we felt that we hoped that that was going to be enough, you know. Yeah, enough to spawn just like a cult gathering. Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that that's, I mean, you know, it was kind of like the right place at the right time. And we had a lot of luck and it was, you know, all the planets aligned for Blair Witch. Um, and I think that it was just a little, you know, it was this little spark um, that kind of ignited a lot of, you know, again, like we were talking about, like it just, it just kind of inspired people to say, hey, if those guys did it, we, you know, I could do it. And it kind of just, you know, brought about the, again, like this idea of, um, you know, and horror films have always been kind of cheap to make you know what i mean like that's you know that's kind of part of their their appeal is like there's always been like super low budget horror movies you know what i mean and um but i think blair witch made it like man we all you need is a camera really you don't yeah. just go into the woods and that's why there were so many parodies and you know there was some they people had a lot of fun with this idea you know um and you but a lot of really great films came out of like this you know basic idea you know what i mean and um and it wasn't something that we invented you know like i always tell people like you know, they're like, well, you know, were you, what were you inspired by? And, you know, as far as before that, and, and I always say, well, I mean, really like what the movie that really opened my eyes to this, to what this could be was Spinal Tap. You know what I mean? Because it was a fake documentary. Yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. like, you know, and I know there has been other movies, you know, but in, you know, to me, Spinal Tap was, you know, obviously one of my favorite movies and very entertaining and funny, but I was also like, man, it, it, it's, it's, somehow it works like I know it's you know Billy Crystal and I know you know Christopher Guest and you know all these people that I've that I know are actors it's Rob Reiner you know what I mean I know these people but um it somehow worked you know what I'm saying so to me that that really opened up the idea of all the mock documentary you know what I mean and also and then you, you, then it, later on Dan and I kind of you know 
connected the dots to, oh, can you do that in the horror world? And we connected this, you know, some stuff that did it in the in the late 70s, like that show In Search Of, which was kind of a fake documentary about the paranormal, paranormal yeah. stuff, um, which was really creepy and like a huge inspiration for us. But, you know, I, I was really happy when people kind of took this kind of formula that we, you know, we didn't invent, but we kind of popularized and kind of went out there and and did their own thing. I thought, you know, every time there's another found footage movie, whether people are inspired by Blair Witch or not, you know, I'm like, that's cool. You know, people are still kind of, yeah. people are still finding, you know, cool ways to, to mix it up and, and you know, and and use the, the that power, you know, that, that, that we kind of tapped into, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it feels like a real fear, you know, like it's a psychological, you don't actually see anything that's trying to get you. You don't, you don't have like this giant monster. You don't have all this gore it's just like it's all in your head and it's a situation that anyone can be in and it just makes it so like real you know so it's yeah. just, that's what's scary to me is something that's real i yeah. know i'm not watching a movie you know yeah 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 well because because it's just like you know blair witch was like i tell people it's like and a lot of found foot you know the the really good found footage movies i mean obviously you want to show something like there's, you know, there's a different satisfaction, you know, there's a certain satisfaction of seeing something. And, you know, especially in, you know, if you're doing a monster movie, like for me, it's like, if you're making a monster movie. You got to show the monster at the end, you know, you can tease me all you want, but I want to see the monster. Um, so wait, what was, I, I completely <laughs> lost my turn of thought, but so, so, you know, um, what, what was, what was the question? I was just saying that it made the fear seem real because it was. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Blair Witch kind of uses the same technique as like almost like a radio drama, you know, or a book. You know, books like most, you know, Stephen King books are scarier than the movies or the TV shows because you know you're inventing the creature in your head and you know you're you're coming up with these really scary things that are scary to you, you know. And I think Blair, well, like if you look at Blair Witch, like you know even the even the actors aren't on camera when they're talking like it's literally shots of just woods a lot of times you know so you kind of have to invent stuff in your head and i think that's always more powerful than anything you know um you know us horror filmmakers can come up with you know any kind of monster like you're always and i think that's what you know good found footage movies do is they kind of make the audience fill in the blanks and you're going to hopefully fill it in with you know your own kind of scary stuff that 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 scares you and that's why i think they're they're effective they're still effective you know yeah that fear of the unknown especially in blair Witch, it just like really affects you like when they're running and screaming and she's like what the fuck was that what the fuck was that <laughs> what does it look like you know <laughs> yeah 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 and also like um the, the you know found footage movies like there's the uh you know, and, and this is something you learn early in film school, like in screenwriting, is that like normal conversations are not like movie conversations. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like people interrupt each other. You say the wrong word. You go down a tangent yeah. of a sentence and you kind of have to back. You know what I'm saying? Like there isn't, you know, and the quips are not as quippy. You know, your people are, you know, not so written. So found footage, I think, kind of goes back yeah. into like it feels more natural. They're just talking and, you know. You know, incomplete sentences and they interrupt each other and sometimes you can you can hear them clearly but sometimes you can't like it and i think that is what is part of the formula that like makes you your your brain click into like hey this is really happening and it constantly even though you know it's not real it constantly tricks you into believing it's like a, it's like the same thing as a documentary you know what i mean 
Um, and I think that's kind of part of the formula that that makes this the subgenre so effective. Yeah, yeah, like when they were like yelling and screaming at each other and fighting and angry, I was like, oh man, I feel it. I feel angry, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and also the moments, the moments of quiet and like no, no music, like, you know, most films like, you know, yeah, you know, it's just music is always part of film, has always been a part of, of filmmaking, even from the very beginning. So taking that out, like kind of gives you, you know, it, it definitely leaves like a, a, it gives you a, a weird sense, you know, like a weird, like that yeah. you're not watching a movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it too, even though now like all found footage movies now have, you know, soundtracks, which is great. You know, the, the genre has evolved, you know, and has, yeah, I, that's, that's my favorite thing is to watch like the new filmmakers kind of tackle, um, you know, original ways to do, you know, found footage. That's really what excites me about, you know, there's not, is that people are still, like I said earlier, still doing like really good stuff with it, you know? Mm -hmm. But in Blair Witch, you didn't have like that swelling music coming <laughs> to know that you should be tense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like your life's not narrated with music, you know, so it, right. it's just so close to home. Yeah. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to mention that you transitioned from indie to corporate filmmaking quickly. Um, do you feel like you had less control or more pressure in the process for like sequel projects? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing about, you know, Blair Witch, and I mean, you know, I still get people who like, like text you know like message me hey i want to do a blair witch whatever and you know can you or i want to show blair witch can you give me permission i'm like you know dude you know we we haven't owned blair witch since you know since we signed the deal at sundance you know um that that's kind of the you know the 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 thing that is a little frustrating is the fact that you know you, you come up with this idea and you come up with these you know this premise and then it's bought away from you you know they paid money and they paid good money and you know, I don't, um, you know, I don't, um, you know, I, I'm not uh, saying that we shouldn't have sold the film or whatever, you know, but that's what happens. You know, you sell the idea and and usually, you you know, they, they own all the rights, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I mean, I think if we had controlled the rights to Blair Witch, I think, you know, we would, there were things would have been done a little bit differently. I don't know if we would have been more successful or less successful or whatever, but, um, you know, Lionsgate still, you know, involves us uh, in stuff, you know, like I was, you know, they, they're always reaching out to me to help, you know, um, just market stuff. And I helped them market the the game and the, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I love to be part of it. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, you know, and I, you know, both Dan and Greg, like, you know, the other Blair Witch guys that we did the movie with, you know, we all like, you know, would love to, to play in the Blair Witch world again, you know what I'm saying? Like in any, in any capacity. So we're always, we have, you know, we've pitched them, we've pitched TV ideas, we've pitched multiple sequels and prequel ideas. And, um, you know, it just hasn't worked out. They, they actually had us write a sequel, you know, years ago and they paid us and that was, you know, really great. And we did a, you know, we did a good script. We came up with a good script, but they, you know, they never shot, they never green lit it. Um, so, um, you know, so it, for us, it's kind of like, we would love to be part of it, but you know, there's other things. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Once you get into, you know, once people are paying you to make movies or to do TV shows, then, you know, you're an employee. Um, and, the, and the, that is one of the most difficult things to kind of, 
figure out. And I always tell people like who are not making any money in the film business, you know, who are filmmakers. I'm like, now is the time to make whatever the hell movie you want to make. Like, don't try to, you know, that, you know, people are saying, how do you know, how do you, what do you, how do you succeed? And, you know, how do you make a film or whatever? How do you, you know, you know, become a filmmaker. And it's like, there's a million different ways, but the, you know, one of the proven ways is just do stuff that Hollywood's not doing. You know, this is your only chance. This is your best opportunity to do something without the financial burdens, you know, um, that, you know, that, you know, making movies for or TV shows for millions of dollars brings on you, you know, it definitely constricts, you, you know, you know, constrains your, your artistic, um, you know, choices. Um, so, you know, uh, but, but, you know, it, it's, I, I love doing television and I, um, I feel that there's like less stress, a little bit less stress, less pressure as far as like, you're not carrying the entire burden, you know, of the movie on your shoulders and TV, you know, there's writers and you, you're one of the directors. So you kind of bring in and you kind of help, you know, move the train along, but you're not responsible. You know what I mean? And for movies, there's a lot for, at least for me like my films are, you know, kind of my kids, you know what I mean? And um, it's really painful when people don't like them and it's really painful making them because you're, you know, you're always doubting, you know, whether the idea is right and whether your instincts are right. And, and at the end of the day, it's all you got. So you kind of keep moving forward, you know, but yeah, I found that filmmaking, feature filmmaking is a lot more stressful than, um, you know, the, the television stuff. But saying that, I mean, I've, I'm always looking for stuff to be to I'm always looking to do a feature film you know what I mean like I'm I have always have multiple film projects in development I'm, I'm pitching multiple things and you know there's always kind of in the background I'm always trying to do that but um, I do love where I'm at I, I love where you know where I've landed in my career and I feel you know really blessed that you know I, I'm still making money knock on wood I'm still making a living in this business which is you know um, you know sometimes that's hard to do you know yeah, I guess that kind of answered my next question. But uh, I mean, you've had like a really good career. It's been like 20 years plus since Blair Witch, you know, Yeah. a lot of projects to do in TV now. Um, yeah. You actually just mentioned it. I was going to ask. So I was IMDb stalking and it said that you guys had uh, like a Blair Witch TV series. Like you just mentioned, you pitched it. Are you guys still working on one? We want the scoop before Fangoria gets. The scoop. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, look, I wish I had, you know, Blair Witch news. I wish, you know, um, but I don't, you know. Um, I mean, look, again, like my, because right now, um, Greg, Hale, and I are part are still partners at Hacks and Films. Everybody else is kind of doing their own thing. We're all still friends and very friendly and stuff, but um, Greg and I are the only ones left of the group, and um, you know, we've been, I mean, we've pitched, you know, TV ideas. Um, so, I mean, all, anytime there's any kind of opening that we, that people are like, oh, they're interested in hearing, you know, pitch on this, or somebody's interested on anything with Blair Witch. It's like, we feel like, um, you know, we owe it to ourselves to kind of get in there and say, hey, you know, what about, you know, us or whatever. Um, and it doesn't, hasn't worked out, but we have so many ideas. We have, um some really, you know, cool, I, I, what I, which I think would make great TV shows um, and also movies, um, you know, we, we, you know, before, you know, uh, you know, around the Sundance days when we were like just starting to 
to see that the Blair Witch was going to, you know, be at least successful enough to have maybe a sequel. We always thought about, you know, what what Blair Witch movies do we want to do? So the, all those ideas are still there, you know, you know, and I'm sure Dan has a ton of ideas um, as well. Um, you know, and you know, again, like it, it would be great to play in that again in, in that playground that we created you know what i mean but again um you know it, it's not up to us uh but you know i think hopefully eventually we'll end up you know at least i mean because a blair witch tv show kind of makes a lot of sense right That'd like it's just excellent. you know yeah. and uh but they've been you know i i've heard because we hear little rumors about hey they you know we pitched them this and this so they've been looking you know um you know, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if they came and they're, you know, they, they already had one and they're about to, you know, I don't know, go into production. I make, I guess I would have heard something about it, but I, I, nothing surprised me because they are always doing new stuff. Like they have that Blair Witch escape room now in Vegas, which I think is great. Um, but, um, you know, so I love the idea that the, that this thing we created continues to kind of grow and kind of expand, you know what I mean? But I do wish that we were, you know, that, that we, we're more of a part of it but again you know it's like i'm again like i said before i'm pretty happy where i'm at you know i, I can't complain about where i'm at in, in my uh, you know in both personally and professionally so mm -hmm. i mean there's a trade-off between when if you control everything now you've got now you're responsible for that you have less stability you know what i mean and then when you now when you're not indie anymore now you're corporate you're like okay well now some of the responsibility is shared, you know, and not all of it's on my shoulders. I've got more stability. So it's kind of a trade-off. Like yeah, I have, sword. yeah, less, less like voice in all these voices, but at the same time, it's more stable and allowed more things to happen. So. Yeah. Well, and also like I'm doing like right now I'm prepping a short film that hopefully I'll shoot in January here in Maryland. And um, it's for this, uh, feature film uh, anthology uh, that we're doing that I'm up that I was very uh, blessed to have been invited to be a part of and um, you know and, the, and that's like the short films are kind of a fun way to like to again kind of do what do exactly what I want to do and push the boundaries and kind of you know again be your own boss you know it's it's fun it's a little bit more like like film school you know these these short films that I do every once in a while um, so, you know, and, and so, you know, and I am able to do that because, you know, I can make a living in the television and, you know, world and I can, you know, if, if, if a, an opportunity comes around there, maybe I'm not going to make as much money, but I can do something cool, uh, you know, I can jump on it, you know, so, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, again, like, I feel blessed that I'm here and, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the short film is, I think is going to be really fun. And again, it makes, it, it kind of gives you, it takes you a little bit out of the corporate you know, mentality a little bit for a little, even though you are getting, you know, you're somebody is your boss, somebody is financing it. There's a little, there, there's kind of, there's, you know, they're, they're not looking over your shoulder, you know, they're kind of like, just, you know, make the movie and send it to me and we'll put it, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, it, it's still fun. It's still fun to do that stuff. And it's great that I'm able to do that every once in a while, you know? Yeah. Um, so you already mentioned your IMDb stalking. So we'll that. Um, I wouldn't say stalking. I'd say researching. Researching, yeah. I mean, that's kind um, of what IMDb is about, right? It's yeah. Just, yeah. 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 I got the pro account. You got to use it for something. Get a little more detail. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask, 
what is the strangest, funniest, or scariest story that you can tell us from the set of any film that you've been a part of? Wow. Um, yeah, you have a, a huge career. Usually we get just like one story. Yeah. yeah. You're like our biggest guest so far. You've had a ton of stuff, but. Um, man, that's, I mean, it's, I mean, the, the, the scare, one of the scariest things is, um, and it's still scary is when somebody gets hurt, you know, like when, you know, a stuntman gets hurt or especially one of the actors gets hurt. Like that's, you know, that's like a, a nightmare, you know, that's what you want to avoid. Um, and it's, you know, it hasn't happened that often, but sometimes, um, you know, you get into this crazy schedule in television and in the indie world where I'm from, you know, um, you got to move quickly. And sometimes, you know, people make mistakes or some, it's the end of the day and you've been moving at a hundred miles an hour the whole day, you know, it's, um, but that's, there's nothing like that. It's just, you feel like, um, because, you know, it's, it's, you, you feel responsible. I feel responsible because I'm like, well, I'm the one that, that was that made up this thing of being thrown across the room you know it's, it's sort of my you know it's my i'm the one that's planning this and um so you know and i so that's that's it still happens every once in a while and that's the worst thing you know what i mean and then the scariest thing like as far as like really feeling scared was when the um we were uh i don't think we were shooting blair witch yet but we were out at the house that you know the the end of the movie happens and um we were, uh, you know, we were scouting it or I don't know what we were doing. It was, you know, before we were started shooting and the night, the went out there late and it started getting dark and walking around and I'm in the basement and I suddenly realized that I'm alone in the house. Like all, everybody that I came, that I came with. My worst nightmare to be in that house alone. Yes, exactly. At night, man. And um, so it was, you know, obviously, um, everything turned out right but it was like all right but it was uh this level of uh fear and it's kind of like you know and this is before we shot anything in that cellar and i think that every time i see the end of blair witch i kind of flash back a little bit to that moment where i was in that basement probably staring at that same corner yeah and realizing i'm not hearing any footsteps upstairs like i'm not hearing any but there's nothing i can't even i can't hear anybody talking and I was like so into whatever the hell I was doing. So I just ran out of there. And it's just like this moment of fear, like when you fear, like feel like somebody's like right, you know, right behind you about like something's about to grab you at any second. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that house really freaked me out. And then again, like when I was editing the Blair Witch at the end, I was editing by myself late at night at the editing in the uh, in our offices in Orlando. And I was editing that freaking house scene by myself and it was like two in the morning and all of a sudden it just started creeping in on me like just like because you know you you know as a filmmaker you can usually separate yourself from the footage because you were there and you know it's you know it's you know clapboard and all that stuff but this was just like them screaming and all this hand you know and i'm editing all this and all of a sudden i'm like i just play it back and i just remember like you know the hairs in the back of my neck just standing up and i'm like i gotta get out of here like again yeah. turn, off, turn off all the computers lock up and like run run to my car again feeling like somebody is about to grab me you know um it's weird that the Blair Witch gave me those 
you know, those moments and, you know, because it, you know, again, it was, uh, even though we made the movie, it was still a really effective movie to us, you know, as far as fear was concerned, you know? So when you weren't actually out there, you sent them out with notes and an outline, and then you came back to your editing later. Did anything really surprise you when you were editing? Like, oh, I didn't expect that to be there. Oh, I didn't expect them to say that. Or Yeah, I mean, I mean, everything. Everything was a surprise because, like, we had, first of all, what was really surprising was that that you, you look at the Blair Witch script that, you know, that we wrote, and um, we definitely followed, like, somehow we ended up, following that script pretty closely again with the you know directing actors mostly by notes you know directing them but from afar you know so it taught it taught me as a director that sometimes um the best thing you can do is kind of back away and I still do it in television all the time is that you know these are all people are all professionals and a lot of times the best stuff you're going to get is just by backing away and letting people do their jobs. You know what I mean? Um, so Blair Witch kind of taught me that, that you know, sometimes you have to let go. But, you know, it was it was a crazy, uh, you know, 24 hour a day shoot. So there was like no time to to kind of, you know, catch up on that. But all the time when we were watching the, the footage, we were always surprised by, you know, their, you know, the just certain um you know, the, the culmination of the scenes, like the scene when, um, you know, when Josh really, you know, uh, attacks, you know, Heather with the camera and, and Heather's like crying and, you know, um, you know, the, we instigated that scene, you know, but we never, you know, we, we hadn't seen it until we played it. And, you know, we, we weren't sitting around the woods, wait, you know, watching that scene. So a lot of the movie was very surprising to us. Like the map, you know, you guys, the, the whole kicking the map into the into the creek thing that you guys started the show with like that was a complete improv you know mike oh wow that's cool so what so we watched the movie you know we were watching the footage and you know mike's like oh i you know where's the map and and, and we were watching this thing in the in the footage like wait they've lost the map and we were like what are we gonna do about the map they seem to have lost it who the hell and we were just like this is you know you just let it play out yeah. and um mike was like I kicked the you know that my that map into the creek you know and um for us that whole scene was like we were watching it as an audience member and I think that was one of the first moments where we were like man you know this could be really effective if we're already yeah. being, we're already being sucked in and we're the you know we're the directors of this movie you know that was a happy accident that's I love that part I was like oh <laughs> so were, were there yeah it's great you know yeah, that's great. Were there times where they were filming a scene and they just did like multiple takes of stuff? Like, oh, that sucks. Let's go back and keep doing it. Or it was no, all no, I mean, I think that, um, you know, they might have done stuff like that. I, I can't remember the footage. Uh, there wasn't, the only time we did multiple takes was when we had technical problems. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I'm not, I don't think they did any, they, I don't think they were like, Hey, can we do that again? I don't think they would just continue, you know? So, so a lot of the editing was a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the editing was just condensing the scenes, you know, and finding these little beats in the scene to make a scene, you know? Um, but no, it was, you know, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well, so looking back at your, um, career, like you've had a big career, what advice can you give 
up and coming filmmakers that were in the position that you were in when you made Blair Witch? Um, you know, I always, I always tell people like, um, you know, you don't, you don't need film school, you know, um, but you do need a community, you know, like, so I think a lot of times, like I was lucky enough to find, you know, all the guys that I did Blair Witch, the main five guys that did Blair Witch were all, you know, all met in film school. Now we didn't, we were all friends in film school. Like we were all different years and whatever, but we all knew of each other. So there was this like level of kind of trust and kind of, there was something there to like, you know, bring us together, you know? And that's really powerful because you can't make a movie by yourself. You know, I mean, I guess these days you can, you know, if you really wanted to, but, um, it, you know, you learn that collaboration is really what it's about. You know what I mean? You And you think, I mean, there are a few people, you know, that like are geniuses and like everything they do is, you know, something, something about their brain, like just the way they say things or whatever is unique. But most people are, you know, are mortal and, uh, and you need other people, you need other ideas, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, you know, learn to like, uh, you know, build a build a, a friendship of, of filmmakers around you you know and um you know obviously don't make it all about yourself make it about helping them as well because you never know who's going to be you know the next spike lee or who's going to have the good script and then you know do a, a an independent you know a, a crazy independent movie or whatever you never know um and then you know and also you know find what you're good at and then don't be afraid to ask people that you know are better than you to like come in and 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 do that job you know like like a lot of i think a lot of films uh makers um when they go into film school everybody wants to be a writer director you know and it takes a lot of maturity to realize i'm a great director but not so much a writer or you know i'm not any, i'm not good really good but i'm a great editor i can somehow you know put these scenes together in a way you know um or a cinematography you know what i'm saying so like be open to that and say oh my i can't write anything but i'm a pretty good director i'm gonna try to get this person that you know wrote this great script that that i love really love i'm gonna have see if they can you know write something for me or i can write something with a letter so and the same thing you know if you're not a great director but you know whatever so find your niche you know like what you're good at and be you know be the best at that um, and if it is that you're a writer director, then, you know, form some, you know, again, a team around you that can, that can help you, um, and just be cool, you know, like whether it's film or TV, like the, you know, people are like, what's the number one piece of advice? I'm like, just be cool. Like, don't, you know, not cool, you know, and I'll, you know, hip, whatever way, but just cool. We're like, be like, treat people the way you want to be treated. Like if, if somebody comes and asks you a question, like, don't belittle them you know, because they don't know, like the same way that if you wanted to ask a question, do you want to be, you know, called out on your ignorance or, you know, um, you know, praise people, you know, like if you're a kind of a team leader in any way, even if you're not, you know, a little bit of praise goes a long way. Like if it's sincere, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, um, and I have to deal with this all the time because the ego still gets in the way and the ego is always telling you, your ideas are the best, you know what I mean? So sometimes like, even now, like you come into a scene and, you know, and for a TV show and, you know, every scene you're like, you know, as, as at least for me, I come in with an idea of like how I'm going to do it, like a kind of a basic shot sheet, 
not really storyboards because you can't really do storyboards on TV, but you know, at least an idea of like, okay, I, I need a two shot here and I'm going to do, this is where I'm going to have the actors or whatever. And so most, a lot of times that doesn't really work out. You know, the actors have an, another idea of whether we want to stand or where they want to sit or where they want to move, or, you know, the cinematographer comes up with an idea, Hey, let's shoot it from this side and we can get this in the background and just, you know, and be open to like, yeah, that's, that's actually a better idea. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, that the idea, all the good ideas aren't going to come from you, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, so, so that's the big thing. And then as far as like, you know, content, like, again, I, I said it earlier, it's like, just do something that is unique, you know what I mean? Or, or as, as unique as you can get it. Like, I think, you know, it's not like make another Blair Witch, which is like a totally experimental movie, but like, you know, you can do a dramatic film, but do a dramatic film about like a corner of your life that know that most people don't see or like, you know, th that you haven't seen in movies. Like, don't just do another, you know, slasher short movie or something. You know I mean, and you know, do something, make it a slasher, but do something unique with it, you know, um, you know, and play with it. Like do, you know, be exper be experimental, take chances, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, and if you look at it, like, you know, um, if you look at all, like, kind of the big, you know, independent movies that kind of started, <clears throat> that kind of made a splash, um, you know, uh, you know, beyond Hollywood, you know, where, where it kind of like beyond the indie circle, basically, they're all like really unique kind of like approaches, you know what I mean? Um, you know, you, you, so the independent cinema is where, you know, all, you know, there's a, there's a reason why it's independent. It's not only independent because, you know, there's no money, but it's independent, you know, use the independence to your, you know, to your advantage and do something that you haven't seen, you know, in the movie theater or on TV. You know what I mean? Um, don't try to emulate, you know, anything that you're seeing, you know, try to come up with your own voice. And, and again, like, you know, um, people, you know, not everybody's going to be Spike Lee, you know what I mean? There's just no room for, you know, thousands of Spike Lees to come out of the graduate film schools every year, you know? Um, so, you know, be, be humble and figure and realize that, you know, you're probably not going to be the next Spike Lee, but you can be your own, you know, happy person doing something in film, you know, like, like, that's not a thing. Like you work on set and you've quickly realized that pretty much everybody is having, it, it loves their job like conditions suck. And I know people, you know, that we, the production companies, producers, definitely studios or whoever you want to say, definitely abuse the crews. I mean, it is, it's really, a. have been, I've noticed that it always, you know, um, you know, there is a certain abuse to being a filmmaker, you know, to, you have to put up with that. Um, but everybody on set loves what they're doing, you know? So, realize that it's not all writing directing it's not all producing there are like so many great and um you know artistically viable and and creatively fulfilling jobs in the film business um on and at all levels you know i mean you rarely see somebody who's like oh, i am is disgruntled i mean seriously there there's if you you know if you give off positive energy you you know i'm always surprised by how all the crews are so similar, you know, just people who are like, want to do a good job and they don't want to get, you know, they just want to, they want to be respected. And, you know, um, so, you know, that's kind of my, my, you know, my long winded, um, you know, response, you know, be, but mostly just be cool and try to do find a unique, you know, again, a unique aspect of something that you know about to like, to write about, to write and make movies about, you know?
Well, I think that's, that's the hardest step, right? The first step, that one's hard. Like find something unique that other people haven't thought of. That's something that not your <clears throat> average person can do, you know? And so and to understand that, like you mentioned, the A-team, right? So you're like, find other people. That's what yeah. a good leader does. A good leader knows what they're strong at, and then they know what their weaknesses are and who does it well and build their team off that. Not being exactly. like, well, I need to improve this part of myself or yeah, I yeah. need to do it all myself. They understand that someone else does it better. They bring them in and they have just as much passion. You've got your A-team and you're like, that's that's what makes it successful. Is That's what a great leader is. People don't want a yeah. boss. You know, they want a leader. Yeah. Well, and also, and, 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 you know, and like, like a good example is my, my partner, Greg Hale, you know, when we met in film school, he was, you know, he's a really great filmmaker. He's a really great director. Like he, his films were some of the best films of, of my time there. I mean, really. Um, but Dan and I were already writer directors. He knew that we didn't need a third director, but he was like, I'll produce, you know what I'm saying? So he took kind of a back seat a little bit to us and really ended up kind of being a third director, but, you know, like I've said before with Blair Witch, but, you know, be willing to do that, you know, like saying, if you find an idea, like, again, if you can't come up with that cool, if you're like, oh my God, I can't come up with anything that's inspired me, but you read somebody's script and you're like, holy crap, because that's what Greg did with us. Like, as soon as, you know, Dan pitched him Blair Witch, he's like, I'm in, you know what I mean? So if you get inspired by that, you know, be cool and like find where, you know, you can, what, where, what part of the team needs filling and try to fill that in, you know what I mean? Because you never know, you know what I'm saying? And, and um, it, you know, it just helps to kind of, again, it, 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 you know, people say it all the time, it's all about who you know, but it really is about all about who you know, yeah. you know, and if you, can, if you can connect to the right people and you can kind of form a good team, you know, who knows, you, you might be able to make, you know, the next Blair Witch. With your own unique twist. Yeah, and, and look, my, what I say about unique, unique thing is that it doesn't have to be like, oh, we're going to throw people out, you know, like us, like, oh, we're going to throw actors into the woods and have them film it themselves. Like, it doesn't have to be like that crazy. It can just be like, you know, I've never seen, again, like a science fiction version of this or, or like the civil, imagine if the, uh, like Twilight Zone is a really good example, like that show, like just take something that you've seen a million times, but do it, do it differently. You know, like, like a lot of the movies, a lot of the shows are like, like, you know, a lot of the, like the Shakespeare stories, but like in set in the, you know, in the inner city, you know, like West side story, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know, like, again, try to find cool things, period. You know, like, like a science fiction movie that, you know, time travel, just, just kind of go crazy. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, so, you know, don't be afraid of that stuff, you know, of, of going somewhere where that, that nobody has done anything. And, you know, there, there's plenty of stuff left to do out there, you know. Um, I have a question that I forgot to ask earlier. Um, this one's like a personal question for you. Have you taken your family camping? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. My wife loves camping and, um, and we, I mean, I mean, on it, obviously nowadays we go to like a campsite and it feels pretty safe, but there's still very Blair Witchy moments for me out there in the woods. The, the, and, and Blair Witch really for me was like born out of the, you know, we used to go down here on the Appalachian Trail 
and we would just walk down the trail and then find, you know, go into the middle of the woods and camp. And I mean, you guys know, like camping in the, in the real middle of the woods where there's nobody around you. That's like one of the scariest thing, even if you're with like 10 people at night, you start hearing things and your imagination again, it starts kind of going. And, and that's where really Blair Witch was born. So we actually do go camping, um, but it's now it's like not even tent camping. Like we find little, uh, there's like little cabins out near where we live that you can rent. Um, but still, you know, the woods for me are always going to be scary. You know what I mean? Like there's always something scary about being in the, you know, in the, you know, out of your element. Um, so it's, it's funny. Yeah. My, my family actually does love camping, honestly. Did you ever like do any, play any tricks on them or tease them while you were out there? No, 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 no. no. He's like rocks um, outside your tent, you know? You, you know what? Like, um, I'm not really that, like, I'm not really that kind of, like, kind of scaring people, uh, you know, in person thing. I, like, I've never really gotten into that because I, I start creeping myself out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, the idea, like, this, like, um, you know, like, waiting in the woods for somebody to come by or whatever. Like, for me, it's like, okay, I have to now be in the woods or I have to be behind this door to, you know, or. or Um, but no, I, I just don't No, I mean, I just don't play with that, with, um, with fear like that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, no, I, I don't, I don't enjoy that whether it's scaring people or being scared. Yeah. I'm the opposite. Oh, I definitely would tease the kids. I definitely would have made a bunch of these and left rocks outside their tent. <laughs> like, I don't know, kids. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? You know? <laughs> yeah um yeah well and also the problem is that you know like nobody um yeah like the, the you know we, i couldn't show blair witch to my kids until they were a little older yeah. um so and and also like i just hate um like my, like my mom when i was young like really like would use fear as a tool you know to like kind of um you know as a parenting tool and I've never, I've shied away from that completely with my kids. Like, I, like one time my, my mom was here and she was like, um, my son wouldn't go to sleep. You know, he was like six or seven. He didn't want to go to sleep. And she was like, tell him that, you know, the Pata Negra with the black, the black leg, the black foot uh, is going to get him. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell him that the black foot is going to get, I mean, he sleeps by himself. I don't want to like, why would I do that to my kid, you know? Um, so no, I, I've totally shot away from like that kind of putting any kind of fear into, you know, kids. Now, you know, my, now my, I have two, you know, I have an 18 year old and a 20 year old. Now I mean, I, I'll scare them a little bit, but no, I mean, it's just, I, I, as a kid, I guess it scarred me enough and it left me kind of, um, you know, well, that's it, like, kinda, psychological you know I, mean? I mean, like more in like a playful way, you know, oh, I mean, yeah, coming to get you. I mean, like, <laughs> When we went out on a little paddle boat with our son, we were like, okay, well, you know, stay in the boat because of the shark. Obviously, there's no shark. But then when we hit a twig and he started crying, I was like, oh, I guess that really scared him. I yeah, didn't... yeah, no, yeah, that's the thing. We have a lot of power, but yeah, oh, no, absolutely. And and and, and I've that's happened to me where it's kind of like, oh, I better be careful with what I say. And also, like, even when, when they're not, when you're not talking to them, they're listening. You know, there's a lot of stuff where they like, well, you said that one time. I'm like, what? You were listening to me? So 
yeah, you got to be really careful. But yeah, it's it's um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I bust my kids, you know, in 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 different in other ways, you know what I mean. But sometimes it's you know, I, like I do this like like this kind of zombie face. The zombie, I just kind of start chasing, like not chasing, but just slowly approaching them, and I continue, and I'm like, hey, stop, and I continue, and I, you know, so there's stuff like that, but it, you know, it's all, you know, obviously just for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we learn as we go. We're like, oh, okay, well, that was. I didn't realize I was being that scary because he liked sharks, so I, I didn't realize that it was so. I was like, oh no, I didn't mean to scare you. There's no sharks. I'm sorry, you know, but it's too late yeah. at that point. Yeah. And, and then really like parenting is just, that's just the balance of parenting. Like how much reality do you want to slow, slowly let your, your kids, you know, feel a taste of reality, which is, you know, sometimes it's pain and sometimes it's fear. And that's like, that's the, be, the, the balancing act of being a good parent, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Parenting in itself could be its own horror genre. Oh my God. <laughs> or like, what do you allow your kids to watch? Like my parents, I grew up in the 80s. <laughs> I saw so many movies now looking back. I'm like, oh. they let me watch like Jaws, Dark Crystal, all these crazy movies. I'm like, those scarred me, gave me nightmares. Like Exorcist, like he mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like when, oh yeah, because, yeah, because, um, you know, it was just different back then, man. Like, like when I watched um, The Exorcist, and I've told the story a million times, it's like, it was like a documentary. Like we watched it as a family. Like it was like, hey, The Exorcist is gonna be on TV. It was the first time it had been on TV. It's like late seventies. And we're gonna sit around, we're gonna watch this. Like, it's gonna be like a hist, like a lesson. And yeah. basically, cause you know, my mom was very Christian and she was like, you know, and then the whole thing about Christianity, man, is if you believe in Jesus, you gotta believe in Satan too, man. Cause yeah. you know, he's right there. So the idea that like Satan is real and then my mom was like, well, you know, this is, if you mess with Satan, this is what can happen to you. So, and, you know, and that's not even the worst thing my mom uh, would do to me, man. I mean, I haven't really talked about, you know, I mean, it was never like, you know, physical, but my mom's definitely like messed, like, like, like to mess with me. And that's like one of the big things of why I've shied away from it from my kids, but she definitely messed with me in a bunch of different ways as a kid in a, in a weird loving way, but very, very strange. My, you know, my upbringing for sure. My dad had the same experience in that movie. He went with his church group as a child and they're like, you have to watch this as an educational. Yeah. You know, you need the knowledge that this can happen. And he was like, what, like 10, you know, going with the church group to this. And then, oh and then he said he didn't sleep for days. And I was just like, that's, well, it was a whole different thing in this, yeah. Well, especially the theatrical version of The Exorcist, because like the TV version, you know, you know, is not quite as shocking. You know what I mean? Like I remember when I first saw the the theater version, I was like, "Holy crap!" Like I'm glad I didn't see that when I was you know ten years old or eleven years old or whatever. Um, but uh yeah it's crazy how times and, and even like you know the movies that we grew up with like the the goonies and poltergeist like they, there's so many like there's so many cringy like whoa kind of cringy yeah. moments that you're like um you know like uh, just real quick like like I, I i was watching uh i discovered like saturday night live on who on uh peacock has all the saturday night lives like oh, yeah. and i i watched one with like you know billy crystal was a guest host 
And he comes out as like Sammy Davis Jr., like in blackface. And it's like, it's funny. He's a great Im impression, but it's like yeah. the whole time you're like, this is just, you know, but it was totally acceptable back yeah. then. Yeah. Now, yeah. You, now you yeah. can't get, you know, you can't yeah. get away with it, you know, but so there's so many moments like that is, you know, like that we didn't have any guardrails back then. You know what I mean? It was, uh, you know, it's amazing. We didn't all come out, you know, completely as psychos, you know, the stuff that we watched, you know? Uh, maybe we did. We're just yeah, covering I mean, it up really. Well, psychos don't know they're psychos. So. <laughs> well, well, I'm so going what, with kids. You got to be careful with these streaming. Like, so, no, so, what, like, so, so how do you do with your kids now? Like what? Like, okay, well, first of all, we learned the hard way that streaming PG movies doesn't necessarily mean they're PG if they were made like 40 years ago because it didn't happen. Right. So like they'll be like, oh, family classics and it brings on their Indiana Jones. And it'll it, you know, and it's got like someone's face melting and like what no turn Not that PG off. Really anymore, no, you know? it was PG back then. And yeah, so PG. you gotta be really careful <laughs> with your because Netflix and Amazon they'll just group all the PG stuff together as being a family movie. Yeah. But it's but movies from the 80s that had a PG rating, they're still not. Well, there's this one time we put on. It's like Cinderella. Yeah, you know, Cinderella is set, right? So we're letting our daughter watch Cinderella. And then there was this moment in the movie where it was like that video game Mortal Kombat, where the queen's just like, like rips some dude's head off and the spine comes out. We're like, the whole movie up to that point was a kid's movie. We're like, what just happened? Our daughter's like, you gotta like pre-screen like pre all the movies yeah. ahead of time, which is really hard to do because you don't have time to begin with, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, my kids grew up like, you know, uh, streaming came in like halfway through and, but I started them by just watching DVDs and yeah, yeah there's a, I mean, you know, uh, like time bandits and a lot of the movies that yeah. i loved as a kid is like they, i mean all those 70s and 80s movies man have something in there again like the face melting and raiders of the lost ark and and then uh the temple of doom where he rips yeah. that guy's Full arm, arm. Arm. <laughs> you know and burns in his hand. i mean you know um so yeah i you know i i probably showed my kids a lot of stuff that you know they shouldn't have seen um you know but like I mean, so far, they, luckily, they you know they all turned out all right. So, hopefully, hopefully, we I did a good job. But yeah, I mean, you know, you can never be you know um, you know uh, perfect. And again, we the shit we saw when we were kids, and you know, we turned out half normal. So yeah, yeah. My mom still plays it safe. She just only watches animated. She'll just just play it safe. <laughs> but 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 again, like you were saying, even the animated stuff, like especially. It's like, what the hell is that? I mean, but and even like, even like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you're like, what the hell is this teaching? What kind of lesson is this that, oh, now your red nose is, is you know, works for us. So we're going to accept you. You know, it's like, it's just so cruel. You know what I mean? It's like, what kind of lessons are we teaching our kids with this Christmas song? But anyway, that's a different part. Going down the rabbit yeah. hole with her seven-year-old daughter and reading her old Disney books and being like, well, this book's going to disappear. Like the Snow White one, we're like, she was so beautiful and wanted the prince. And I'm like, nope, that one's going to disappear. <laughs> I'm like, you're more than just a prince's muse, you know. You don't have to worry about being the fairest in the land. <laughs> I'm like, where'd my Snow White book go? I don't know. You know, it's not, then you start to go down the rabbit hole of what's that putting in their mind early on, you know. And, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I, it's and and I, you know, when 
you know, when as a really early parent, you're always, you know, you, you, you're scared about everything I see. And I think, you know, as you get, as you get more experience, you realize that they're pretty resilient, you know, and obviously you have to take care of them and, you know, watch over them as much as you can. But a lot of it, like we said before, is just like, you know, it's, it's pain. You got to let them kind of be confused and figure things on their own and, and, you know, experience a little bit of fear and, you know, it's, that's life, you know, so you're, you're basically, we're just, we're just training humans, you know what I mean? So you gotta, you gotta show them the good and the bad. It's just a matter of when, you know, when you do, when you do that and to what extent, like my mom, my mom went a little far as far as like the fear thing for whatever reason. But, um, but otherwise, you know, there's a lot of other things that she taught me that were, you know, great lessons and, and uh, you know, you know, she was a, she, you know, I had a great childhood, you know, but everybody makes mistakes, obviously. You know? Yeah. And then your, your leadership principles, they all come back to you as a parent, you know, you're like, okay, well, this is the part that I'm not good at. This is someone else. Like, go ask your mother, go ask your father. <laughs> like, they know more about this. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to. Um, so where, where can we keep up on, on your projects, current, future projects, uh, social media sites and things like that? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sort of active, like on, on um, the best way is probably Hacks and Films on Facebook, which is, you know, H-A-X-A-N Films. Um, and uh, that's mostly what I keep up with all of the kind of the business stuff. Um, and then my Facebook is, I mean, you can follow me, but... Um, you know, it's, it's uh, more for personal stuff. I don't friend to, I don't have too many friends on there. Um, and Twitter, I'm uh, Sanchez on the mic. And again, I, I mean, you know, I try to do as much social media as I can, but, you know, mostly I'm just, you know, uh, just, you know, looking for news and stuff on there. I don't really post as much as really I should, but, you know, especially if something, if something cool is happening, like on this short film, like I'll start putting some things up because we're doing it locally and we want to cast locally and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, Hacks and Films on Facebook is probably the best um, place, you know, we, we put everything up on there. So. Yeah, you should, you should uh, get yourself a social media manager so, so, so that we can get that TV show you know, get some, get some oomph behind the TV show because, you know, I want to watch it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's uh yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you only have a certain amount of time, you know what I mean? And, and you like start realizing what's important and you have to prioritize. So, yeah. um, but again, I, like I, you know, we, I feel very fortunate where I'm at and uh, you know, you know, I, I, I like social media, but it also, you know, can be a major waste of time. Of so. time. Yeah. <laughs> you know of time. Yeah, that's why he does it all. Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say a waste of time. It takes, yeah, it's great to do. Yeah. Spend all day on there doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. why I make full professions just for, <laughs> for that because it's a full time job in itself. It yeah. is. No, it absolutely. And it's, and it's, you know, and it's an art. You know, you have to like figure it out and it changes all the time. And, you know, so it's, uh, it's the definitely skill. All right, well, Mr. Sanchez, thank you so much for giving us this interview. We really, really, really appreciate it. Um, and, you know, have a great Thanksgiving, too. We really appreciate that you're doing this before Thanksgiving, so. Yeah, no problem. Glad I could squeeze it in. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It was, a, it was fun. Have a good Thanksgiving, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, invite me back whenever. Cool. Oh, I'll take you up on that. 
sure. All right. Looking uh, forward to it. Yeah. Thank you. And have right. a wonderful twilight.